Welcome to episode 75 of the Marketing Junkie podcast. This episode is a little bit different because I am joined by a guest. I'm joined by Kim Carlson, and you might recognize that name as a previous podcast guest of mine, but this episode is going to be a little bit different because it's going to be more of a coaching call, which I've done on this podcast before. But specifically today, we're going to be talking about online courses and course creation and digital products. Now, this is not something that I teach. I'm not an expert in course creation. I recommend other experts all the time on this podcast if you're looking to get into digital products and course creation. But it's something that I get asked about all the time because I've been creating digital products and courses for many years. And my style is a lot different than a lot of the people who teach this stuff. So I get asked about this all the time. So I thought it would really benefit anyone who listens to this podcast that's interested in potentially creating an online course or adding digital products to their business to really hear an open and honest conversation between myself, someone who's been doing this for many, many years with somebody who is currently working one-on-one with clients, but is definitely looking to add digital products and courses in their business in the future. So this is my very honest conversation with Kim. I did not do any editing, so apologies. There are a couple blips in the audio. There was a couple instances where we had to mute and unmute and play that little game. So this is, again, a really open and raw and honest conversation, and I'm so excited. So If you are new to course creation or digital products, or you're a business owner or a prospective business owner who is curious about the online course world, when you should create a course, how you should grow your audience, how you should market your course, what it takes to create a course, how much time, how much investment. If you are interested in any of those questions, this episode was created just for you. I think the online course industry is just going to continue to boom and expand and grow in 2022 and beyond. So I hope you listen to this episode with a really open and curious mind. This is one of my favorite conversations I have ever recorded for this podcast. And it is a little bit long, but I promise you it is worth the listen. Kim asks such amazing questions and I absolutely love every single time I get to talk to her. So if you're interested in learning more about Kim's business or potentially getting on her email list for her course or digital products that she's hopefully going to launch in the coming year, All of her information is in the show notes or the episode description. And again, before we get started, the best way that you can show support for me or for Kim or for the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast and by checking out all of Kim's social media information and her business linked in the description. All right, here is my coaching call slash conversation with Kim Charleston. You're listening to the Marketing Junkie podcast with me, your host, Michelle Caruana. I'm a corporate marketing nine-to-fiver turned brick-and-mortar business owner turned online entrepreneur, and growing businesses through smart and efficient marketing is kind of my thing. If you're like most business owners, you probably feel like you could overdose on all the different tactics out there, so I created this podcast to help you cut through the noise and the clutter and just get the clear, actionable strategies based on what's working and what's not for both myself and my marketing clients. Tune in every week to learn exactly how to attract an audience and convert them into customers and raving fans. No fluff included. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Kim. Yeah, of course. I'm glad to be back. 
I'm really excited. So you've already been on the podcast before talking about freelance writing tips and how to start a freelance writing business. So I'm going to go ahead and link to that previous episode, but this episode is going to be completely different as I mentioned in the introduction. But before we get started, do you want to reintroduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in your business? Yeah, sure. Um, So I got into freelance writing a couple of years ago. Um, The last year I've been doing the best I have yet, and it's been kind of taking off a lot more. Um, And I've always, you know, heard people say, once you're doing well, you can become a coach. Once you're doing well, you can make a course, all of that stuff. So I kind of am looking for the next step. Um, I do have another agency where we do social media and other copy things. Um, But I'm thinking of another you know, revenue stream. And I'm interested in helping people learn how to get into it because I think it's definitely an abstract idea for people that either don't work online, don't know that it's even an option, all of that stuff. So yeah, I'm a freelance writer and just looking to do more, I guess. Awesome. So as I mentioned, this is going to be kind of just an open conversation. We didn't do a lot of prep for this. We're really just going to kind of sit down and have a chat. So why don't you um, get started with your questions? Yeah, so I guess the first question I have, which I feel like a lot of people probably have, is how do you know when you're at the right part of your career where you might have the right expertise and you're ready to make a course? Like, how, how do you know you're at that point? Right, so as you kind of alluded to before, I always recommend obviously finding success in whatever topic you're planning on teaching prior That might seem a little bit obvious. (laughs) However, I have seen quite a few people learn a very small amount about a skill and then try to launch a coaching business or a course. And a lot of people will say that you just need to be a few steps ahead of your audience. So let's say you want to teach freelance writers. Go back, let's say, I think you started your business two or three years ago, if I recall correctly. A lot of people will sign those first couple clients and say, well, I know how to get clients. I know how to get started in this business. I'm only a few steps ahead of the people that I want to help. A lot of people will say that that's the right time to create a course. However, in my personal experience, I like to see people a little bit further along, not only getting that early success, but also sustaining it, right? Because that is really the secret sauce. Anybody can become a social media freelancer in a very short amount of time. However, maintaining your clients, so not just getting your clients, but retaining them and keeping them happy, getting results for them, not just in the first month or so of serving them, but also long-term. There's a lot of different pieces when it comes to learning a skill and then, like I said, sustaining it. So to answer your question, a lot of people will say, you just need to be a few steps ahead. However, I, there's really no harm in waiting until you're a little bit further along and your confidence is going to be a lot better. You're going to be able to build up your audience while you're kind of learning and sustaining your skills. So what I tell people is if you're finding success in a certain area, whether it's business or whether it's watercolor painting or whether it's owning an indoor playground or whatever the topic is, if you're finding success and you know that you want to start doing more and you know you want to start helping people get to where you are, start building your audience, start creating free resources, document your business and your tips on a blog or on Instagram. So instead of just looking for new clients on Instagram, also 
create some content around helping people get into the freelance writing business. So you can take steps to creating an online course or becoming a coach before you launch it. So uh, I like to see people a little bit further along and have sustained success um, in a particular skill or a particular area of expertise, but there are things that you can do to start building your audience. Something that I always like to say is that the longer the runway, the greater the launch. So when people just wake up one day and they decide, okay, I want to create a course and they've spent all this time and money and energy on the platform and on launching the course and learning all of the things, a lot of times they'll launch and they'll have zero audience and they won't have the success that they want. And if they had just taken those steps prior and really worked on building and cultivating and nurturing an audience beforehand, there's all sorts of videos and things out there that say you can launch and find success with zero audience. But And while you can, that's a little bit gimmicky and it's a lot harder. It's going to be a much bigger uphill battle. You're going to need to spend more money on ads or you're going to need to hire somebody to help you with your launch if you have zero audience. So when when people come to me that want to create an online course that are just starting out, I say, listen, I love where you're going. I love where your ambition is, but take smaller steps. Start writing down your processes. Start coming up with frameworks because a lot of times people will just like brain dump into an online course. And if there's no, no way for people to navigate through your program, no framework or five-step process or something like that, then it's going to be just information and people aren't looking to purchase information, right? There's information everywhere on podcasts, on blogs, on YouTube channels. So what I usually tell people to do is Start documenting your processes, start coming up with frameworks that are specific to your process and how you find success and start building your audience. And then once you have that sustained success for maybe a year, maybe it depends on obviously your course topic, but that's when I would really start thinking about actually creating your course outline and creating your course content after you've been building your audience for a little bit. It doesn't have to be a huge audience. It can be a hundred people that are following you for freelance writing tips, but having that base audience that can give you feedback on what your course should include, um, all of that stuff, I think is just going to set you up for greater success. And it's just going to be, like I said, less of an uphill battle if you already have sustained success. And if you've already taken the smaller steps to start building an audience. I think you're muted. I was going to do like that follow-up question, how big is the ideal audience? Because that's obviously one thing that is daunting is, you know, I don't know. I have so many things that I like to do. So I'm deciding is a course the natural next step? Is it not? And I've kind of dabbled in other things. So it's like, should I, you know, so, but that's going to come up in the next question. How many like topics do you feel like it should be about? Like, um, I've had courses before that I've went through for how to um, cold email and that was it, how to become a freelance writer, which included how to pitch, how to, you know, all of this stuff. And then I've seen, you know, a lot of business courses where they go through so many different things. So I guess maybe that goes hand in hand with my other question of like a mini course versus a full course. So um, I guess, is there a question in there? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And something that you brought up that just kind of triggered something, um, a thought that I forgot to mention while I was answering your previous question is 
if you are, uh, if you're working one-on-one with clients, so that's what you're doing right now in your business. If you get to a point where you're having so much success and you're retaining clients and you're getting new clients constantly that you're booked out, that's also a great indicator that it's time to start creating digital products because you're going to be able to serve a lot more people without having your revenue, your potential revenue tied to the amount of hours that you're putting in. So one person or one agency can only service so many clients. Obviously, you can hire help and you can hire additional people to help you in your business. But at some point, you're still going to reach a ceiling. So whenever I talk to a coach or a consultant that is completely booked out and they've kind of reached their revenue potential and they don't want to go the route of hiring a full team, that's also a great indicator that it's time to start creating digital products. And to answer your second question, the one that you just asked, A lot of people hear the term online course and they automatically think it needs to be everything you know about a certain topic. And that will cause a lot of people to get really stuck and it will generate a lot of anxiety in people. There are generally, you kind of dabbled on two different types of courses. However, there are a couple more. And this I actually got from Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy. So if you listen to, if if you want to go ahead and create a course, that's a great podcast to listen to her online marketing made easy course, but she really has, I would say three or four categories of courses. So a full course is what you were kind of alluding to. I would actually more likely refer to it as a signature course. So that would be everything you know about a specific topic. So for example, my Play Cafe Academy course is a signature course. So it's literally everything you need to do. It's a 12 step blueprint. I say to get from daydream to opening day. So I, I kind of went um, the more difficult route and I created my signature course first. However, what I will recommend to a lot of people, especially if this is your first time creating a digital product or an online course is I would instead do something which is called, which would be a starter course. So that is what you were kind of referring to as a mini course. So that would be just to get started in a particular area. So I don't have one in my Play Cafe Academy business. However, I do have a starter course for Facebook ads. So it is not everything I know about Facebook ads, but it is enough to get somebody to create their first campaign and get it up and running and find success with it. So it's a lower price point. So my signature course is $697 and it's actually going to increase in price at the end of the year. And generally a signature course will be between, I would say 500 and $2,000 is the most typical price range for a signature, for a signature course. A starter course is more like somewhere between $97 and $300. That's more of the range for a starter course. So again, it's not everything about a specific topic. My Facebook ads course isn't everything you ever need to know in order to be a Facebook ads expert. It's actually really not even meant for people who want to run Facebook ads for clients. It's generally meant for people who want to learn how to navigate ads manager for their own business and set up their own Facebook ad campaigns before they want to hire somebody. So generally people will purchase my Facebook ad starter course, run their ads for a little bit, and then decide they want to hire it out after they've become, you know, quote unquote, dangerous with Facebook ads and gotten some Um, ads up and running and seen some success and they just want to continue scaling with it with either myself or another ads manager. So that would be an example of a starter course. Now, another example that you didn't really touch on that 
is a great idea for a first course that's not a starter course. And this is really appealing, I think, specifically to people like you who have a lot of expertise in a lot of different areas would be a spotlight course. And again, that's not my term. I stole it from Amy Porterfield, but basically it's diving deep on one specific topic. So for example, for Facebook ads, for example, I could create a spotlight course that is just not everything you need to know about Facebook ads to be an expert, because that would be a signature course, but it could be everything you need to know about Facebook ad targeting or writing amazing Facebook ad copy. But I would go through the A to Z. I would go through everything you need to know, every single targeting option, every single strategy, things like that. So it would be really diving deep on one specific topic. So if I were to create a signature course on Facebook ads, one module might be targeting. So realistically, a, a spotlight course is a great way to kind of segue eventually into a signature course. So you're taking one topic, diving deep, and then to create a signature course, you could just create several spotlight courses and then kind of obviously you want to make sure they flow together and that there's some sort of framework for people to navigate through, like I kind of alluded to at the beginning. But I love spotlight courses because, again, they can easily segue into signature courses. So what I could have done to make it a little bit easier on myself when I was creating Play Cafe Academy was I could have created one spotlight course about designing a play area or about creating a business plan or something like that. And actually, I really did sort of create a spotlight course, but I did it after the fact and I sell it as a lower price digital product. So I mentioned that there are really three to four different types of digital courses. So something else that Amy Porterfield doesn't really mention a lot, but um, it's something that I have found a lot of success with is kind of like a lower priced offer, almost like an introductory offer. So it's similar to a spotlight course, but instead of being a couple hundred dollars, my low priced offer is $27. So it's a business plan toolkit. It basically takes one module from my Play Cafe Academy course, but it's way underpriced and that's with intention. So my goal with this lower price $27 offer, which is where a lot of people start, and it's where I think it would be a great idea for you to start, is I provide a business plan template and I provide just a quick 70-minute training. So it's not 20 lessons. It's not hours and hours of content. It's a template for somebody to create a business plan. And then it's a one hour and 10-minute training. And I sell that for $27. And do I think it is worth a lot more than that? Yes. Do people think it's worth a lot more than that after they go through it? Yes. And that's the goal, right? Because when you start getting results for people, once they are, when the harder, the hardest dollar to get from people, right, is always the first one. So I like to get people into this $27 offer, this low priced offer, and absolutely blow them away. And not only do I want to get them quick results, I want to get them that quick win. I want to blow them away with the ease at which I present the information, I want them to be able to download that template and say, wow, this is so organized. This is so well put together. This is so well thought out. But I also want them to get used to me and my teaching style. And not everybody likes the way I teach. Not everybody likes the way I 
give business advice. So this $27 offer is meant to attract the right people into my higher price programs as much as it is to repel people who are not a good fit. So it's kind of like a taste of what being in my ecosystem and in my online, my paid online learning experience is like, because so many people will watch my YouTube videos for years or listen to my podcast for years. But my free content is completely different from my paid content. So in my free content, I blab a lot. I tell stories. I, you know, get off track a lot. But my paid content is a completely different experience. It's concise. It's to the point. It's very well organized. And it's meant to get from A to B as quickly as possible. But not a lot of people see that transition. So that $27 offer is really just a way to get people transition from my free content to my paid content. And I would say probably the last time I checked, which was just a few months ago, I would say over 90% of people that are in my higher price programs have previously purchased my $27 offer. So there's very few people that just jump right into the higher ticket program. So to answer your question, what I generally recommend is starting with either a starter course, but honestly, a starter course can turn into a signature course really easily. Like if you try to just touch surface level on a bunch of different topics, that can get very overwhelming. It can be very daunting. So what I generally recommend is a starter course if you feel like you can do the surface level, or what I would more so recommend is doing a spotlight course, which can eventually segue into a signature course or start with a mini offer, something like a business plan toolkit. It's yes, it's only one piece of the puzzle of opening an indoor playground, but it's a great way to, again, get people to transition from my free to my paid content. And if you've never charged for content before, if you've only charged for one-on-one services, a low price offer is a great way to not only just get experience in creating digital courses and digital offers, but it's also a great way to start building not not just an audience because Instagram followers are great, email list is great, but if you can build a list of customers, of buyers, that's going to be your super warm, your hot audience when you go to release something else with the caveat being that you have to deliver, right? You can't just create a low-priced offer under deliver on your promise or make it really disorganized and really disjointed then obviously your list of buyers isn't going to continue wanting to learn from you. But if you can over deliver with that lower priced offer, the people that buy that are going to be very likely to want to continue learning with you. Because something that I've learned in the online space is that once you have like a raving fan, they'll buy everything that you create. So I have a probably like three or 400 people that every single time I put an offer out, they buy it without thinking because I've over-delivered on so many previous things that they've purchased. And to your previous point, when you were asking, you know, what size audience should be, you can have just a few, even just a few dozen people that just listen to every podcast you put out or listen to every interview or reply to every Instagram story you publish. If you can just have a small handful of people that you know are going to purchase, if you can just get them in your lower priced offer or your starter or spotlight course, whatever it is, get them results, get stories of transformation, even just a couple, even just two or three stories of transformation that turn into testimonials. That's what's going to help you get momentum. So a lot of people will come to me and say, well, I have this course um, or I'm creating this course, but I only have like 20 people that, but they follow everything I do. I say, that's amazing. Get them in your course 
um, get, get them results, get them on video, get those testimonials because social proof and those stories of transformation is what's going to get you momentum. And that's, what's going to get people who are not your raving fans, not your most loyal followers. That's going to help them transition more easily into your programs when they don't necessarily have that experience with you. And since you have so much one-on-one, one-on-one experience, you can also ask your past clients, right? It doesn't necessarily, you don't need to necessarily have testimonials from your particular course that you're trying to sell. You can also just get more broad testimonials about your expertise or about the results that they've seen from your one-on-one services, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be from your courses, but just having a small group of people that you know are willing to not only vouch for you, but are going to be the first to pull out their credit card is enough. You don't need to have a huge audience in order to get started. Yeah, that is very helpful. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things that I struggle with is knowing like not only the expertise I need to have, but the audience I need to have. Um, And when you were talking, I thought about another thing. Um, As far as like choosing when to start, I feel like the investment should play a role. Like if I'm going to pay for like a hosting platform, if I'm going to pay for maybe a course to learn how to do the course, like all these different things, like, I don't know if there's a right answer for that, but, and then there's also like the hours as an investment as well. So do you have any feedback on that part? If that makes sense? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really a personal preference. So, um, I'm in the Kajabi user group. I use Kajabi for my courses. I also use Searchy. Um, I'm kind of dabbling between the two. I'm always one of the first ones to try new platforms as they come out, but I'm generally a big advocate of Kajabi, but I'm in the Kajabi user group. And so many people have been paying like $200 a month for years and just never launching. So that's never something that I would recommend. I would never recommend just impulse choosing a platform and then paying for it because it's going to cause you stress. It's going to cause you anxiety and it's probably going to make it worse off for you in the long run. So what I did and what I don't typically recommend is I just launched my course without any training, without any real plan. I just said, you know what? I was getting so many emails about how to open an indoor playground because at the time I was running an indoor playground, I was getting so many emails and I just could not do one-on-one consulting with all of them. That's really how my first course was born was out of necessity. And because I was getting so many emails and because so many people said, you know, Hey, if you create this program, I will buy it. I created it. I just randomly chose a platform. I started on Thinkific just because it was much less expensive, which is absolutely fine to do. I don't love Thinkific. There's other cheaper options out there than Kajabi, but I kind of just launched it. And it took me a really long time to figure out not only how to market and scale the course and really get the sales where I wanted them, but something that I didn't really anticipate was my course, my first course was very disjointed. There was no framework. There was no blueprint. It was literally a brain dump. Like I did do an outline and I said, okay, these are the 12 steps to opening an indoor playground. Step one would be, you know, creating a business plan or creating a vision. And so there was some organization to it, but creating an online course is really so much more than a brain dump. And I didn't realize that when I got started, I got so many comments from people like, wow, I love all of your expertise and you share so much insight, but holy crap, it was like 40 hours. It was a crazy amount of hours to go through the course. So 
as I was getting feedback, I had to go back through the course, pare it down, make it more concise. And that took a lot of time. So basically I took the road where I'm just going to do it myself. I don't need a course. I don't need a coach. I don't need anyone. Um, I'm just going to learn as I go. And honestly, while it was the most affordable option and there's absolutely no shame in choosing the most affordable option, I also, sometimes it pains me to think how much further I could have gotten so much sooner if I had just done it right the first time. I've, I recorded that course now three different times and every single time it's taken so much effort. It's taken so much energy. And I really wish I would have just at least invested in a course or something, not necessarily hire like a $10,000 coach to create your course, but I wish I would have just invested something in doing it right the first time. And that's really what Digital Course Academy is. So I took Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy years after I created my first course. And it really gives you the beginning steps all the way from like idea to outlining, to creating the content, to making sure your course is organized correctly, to choosing a platform, to all the tech stuff, to audience building, to launching. So it's, it was an investment for sure, but I think if I would have taken it at the beginning, and by the way, when I first launched my course, it wasn't even a thing, or I would have invested in it because I am one of Amy Porterfield's probably super fans. I've bought in every single course that she's ever created, but I wish that I would have invested in something like that, something similar. It doesn't necessarily have to be that one, but I wish I would have invested in something like that earlier. So I generally wouldn't recommend, unless money is no object, I wouldn't necessarily recommend hiring a super expensive coach in the beginning because it's not really necessary. When you want to go from $10,000 a month to $50,000 a month, that might be a better time to make a bigger investment and hire a coach. However, there are so many courses and programs out there that have tons of social proof and testimonials that will get you the basics and will help you avoid a lot of stress, a lot of um, overthinking, a lot of trial and error. So really it's your personal preference. So I chose to go it alone. It took me a really long time, but I didn't spend a lot of money. But if you want to kind of accelerate your results and get results a lot faster, then I would definitely recommend investing in a program to get you started from somebody that's gone before you. So it really just depends on how fast you want to get results and how much trial and error that you're willing to, to put up with. But a lot of people assume that they need all of this money to get started. You can actually, you can create your online course in Google Drive or something like that before you ever invest in Kajabi or in a platform or anything like that. I've had so many Facebook ad clients who have created all of their content and then invested in Kajabi at like the 11th hour before their launch. And not even paid for a full month before launching, before making their first money. I also had people pre-launch their course. So you can actually pre-sell your course to your program. Again, assuming that you have even just a handful of people that you know are going to be willing to buy it, whether it be at a discounted price or a founding member's price or something like that. But one of the best strategies that I like for people that are just getting started, especially people that are worried about the investment, is pre-selling. So you can have a course outline and you can either create the course after you've sold it. So you don't need anything like Kajabi. You just need Stripe or PayPal or something like that, right? You don't necessarily need to have a 
a big beefy sales page or your course completely ironed out if you have people that are already following you, that are already your raving fans. So there are really two ways to do this. You can pre-sell and then take a week or a couple of days or however much time you need and record your course then. Or what a lot of people will do, something that I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be redoing my Facebook ad starter course just because so much has changed over the last several months. So I'm going to be re-recording it, but I'm going to be delivering it live, which is another strategy that you can do. So that's not necessarily saying that you need to like stream it on Facebook live, but I'm going to be delivering it over, I think, a three-week period. And like every other day, I'm going to record a lesson, put it out there, record a lesson, put it out there. So you can collect the money up front. You can use that to fund your platform or hiring somebody to create a sales page for you or something like that. And that's what I'm going to be doing. So I'm technically going to be pre-selling it because it's not created yet. And then you can deliver it live. And if you are a content creator already, if you're comfortable on video and you feel confident that once you collect the money that you can deliver on what you're promising, that's a great strategy, especially if money is a little bit tight or you're really concerned about budget. Yeah, that's really helpful. And you're you're almost saying like pre-launch kind of reminded me of like kind of figuring out um, like with beta testers, if you're kind of on the right track, if if people are looking for what you're even giving. So if you, I'm assuming you do market research and that type of thing, um, have you done beta testing? And is that like a free offer, a lower price offer? Like what kind of agreement is that usually? Yep. So I've tried a bunch of different things. Some things have worked, some things haven't. So what you're referring to with market research is I actually call, I do course calls. So anytime I create something new, I try to reach out to a couple of people that I think are the perfect fit for it. And I will get on the phone with them or I'll do a Zoom with them. It's much easier and it's much more informative if you can do it this way, as opposed to sending out like a survey or um, even just DMing with them on Instagram, just being able to hear their voice, hear the words that they're using, see their body language, that really helps. So for example, Last year during the pandemic, I created a brand new, it was kind of like a spotlight course, how to launch a mobile event business. So essentially it was for people whose indoor playground plans were halted and they had to find something that was more conducive to operating during the pandemic. But before I actually created it, I had this idea and I knew what I wanted to create, but I actually called a few people that were, that I knew were in that exact scenario They were planning on opening an indoor playground at some point, but the pandemic halted their plans. And I got on the phone with them and I said, hey, what are you struggling with the most? What are you stuck on? Um, I know another one of Amy Porterfield's questions that she talks about a lot is, you know, if you could wave your magic wand and make one thing easy or make one thing happen in your in your business journey, what would it be like asking questions like that and just listening more than you talk? Because you can use the words that they say for your sales page, for your emails. You can use it to help create your course content. Because so many times I think I know what my audience wants, or I think I know where they need extra help, and I'm completely wrong. I'm constantly humbled by these course calls. And even if you think you know everything about a particular topic, if you're not presenting it or packaging it in a way that's easy for people to consume, you're not going to get anywhere. So that's what I do for market research is I'm a big fan of quality over quantity. So I'll generally spend like 
a half hour to 45 minutes talking to a handful of people who I know are going to be the perfect fit for the program. And that's where I get clarity around my offer, around my marketing materials, things like that. Now, when it comes to beta testers, I generally don't like to do beta testing. I've done it before, but whenever I give somebody access to something at a deep, deep, deep discount or for free, I generally find that they either don't go through it or they don't go through it with a lot of intention. You know, they just, people that pay, pay attention, right? That's a saying that you've probably heard a million times. So anytime I give away something for free, sure, they might go through it, but they're not going to value it. They're not going to have as good of feedback as somebody who pays. Again, you can discount, but I generally don't like the whole phrase beta testing either because that almost quali- it like undermines what you're providing, I guess. I just don't like that term. Um, and I have not really seen a lot of people have a lot of success with it lately, at least in the last year or so. What I generally recommend, and this is a strategy that I got from Stu McLaren's Tribe program, is a founding member launch. So it's your first launch of a program. So either you're pre-selling something or it's your first launch of something that you've already created. And you're kind of prefacing it by saying, hey, I have this amazing program. I know it's going to change your life. I, you know, I created it based on feedback of people exactly like you, but I want your help in refining the content. I want your help in making it the best program that it can be. So you're almost thinking of it as like a give and take feedback, similar to what a beta tester would be, but you're just changing the language a little bit. And I think as a founding member, it almost puts like a positive spin on the beta tester. Because to me, when I hear beta test, it means like it, like the product could go wrong or something could go wrong or like something like that. I just, I don't think people, I don't think the beta testing language resonates with people as much in the online space anymore, as much as it used to, just because it's been used so much. So what I like to do is I like to give people like the little badge of founding member. So if it's a membership, they'll be able to lock in a founding member price, which isn't as deep of a discount as you would think of for like a beta tester, but you're allowing them to get into, let's say it's a membership at a lower price and lock in for life. But for the first couple of months, they kind of have this understanding like, hey, I'm going to be refining some things. I might be adding to this program or I might be re-recording something or, you know, clarifying something. So what a lot of people do when they do this founding member strategy, and if Um, Stu has like dozens of podcasts on this specific strategy. So this is an oversimplification, but basically it's, it's one of the strategies people use when they pre-sell or deliver it live. So they're creating each new lesson with the experience of the feedback from the past lesson. So it's a really great way if you're time crunched, if you are not sure how your teaching style should be, if you're not sure how you should package your content. Having just a small handful of people, it can be two, three, five people to act as founding members and kind of, again, almost create that program with you or alongside you. It it just gives people more buy-in, I think, as a founding member, and it makes them proud to do it as opposed to a beta tester, which I think to me um, undermines what you're looking to provide. So I love the founding member strategy. I've used it myself every time I've created something new. Um, and people like being founding members. It it makes them feel special. It makes them feel heard and appreciated and valued as customers because they know like I'm 
giving feedback. I'm part of the creation of this process. So I love that um, to, again, give people what they want. And it's going to create those raving fans that are going to be so highly invested in not only your programs, but also you. And they're going to be every time you expand or let's say eventually you segue from a spotlight course into a signature course, they're the ones that are going to be so invested in the journey and keep continuing to buy from you. Yeah, that's very helpful too. Um, I, I definitely see what you mean by like the beta testing, maybe having a negative connotation because it does feel like, is it worth it to get in on like the ground floor when things aren't you know, polished at all. And like, that is how it sounds. So like, yeah. And I've heard about like a founding member member idea and I like that a lot better. Um, so just a couple more questions. Um, uh, how long do you, I, I know a lot of this varies, but how long do you think you need to give yourself to create the course? Like say it's something I committed to and I'm ready to dedicate a certain amount of time you know, a week and, you know, how, like, is it realistic to say right now, um, like if I start, you know, maybe 10 hours a week dedicating to it, is it realistic to think a couple months out or is it something where you'd really want to build your audience first and then go from there? So there's a lot of different processes that you could take, right? What I've found the most success with is, again, just starting with even a small audience. I actually like the idea of having a founding member launch with a smaller handful of people so that if you do need to refine things, if you do need to improve on things, you're not launching to like the masses. You're not investing thousands and thousands of dollars on Facebook ads or anything like that. But this is another reason why I love the idea of pre-selling and of delivering a course live, because not only does it save you a lot of upfront time, but it kind of forces you to be accountable, right? It kind of puts that fire under you like, hey, if I'm going to be pre-selling this thing, if I'm going to be, you know, collecting payments from people, then I have to do it, right? You have to deliver on that promise, or you're going to be doing a lot of refunds, and you're going to have a lot of unhappy people, so that's another reason that I really, really recommend pre-selling a course, because not only does it validate that it's a topic that people are willing to pay for from you specifically, but it also kind of puts a fire under you. So just to give you an example, I mean, I already have the audience component, but again, you can, you can get started with just a handful of what I call those quote unquote raving fans. And that's really a Pat Flynn word. So if you are interested in the whole small audience concept, highly recommend the book Super Fans. It's one of my absolute favorites. It just kind of talks about how even just five raving fans that are going to buy every single thing you put out there, listen to every podcast you put out, things like that, those five people are going to turn into 20. And those 20 people are going to turn into 100, right? It just creating those super fans is the way to gain momentum. It's more about quality when it comes to your audience than quantity. So having that in mind and knowing that you can launch to a smaller audience, just to give you an example, I'm creating a new course right now, um, more about, um, it's in the indoor playground space, but it's more about email marketing. So something that my audience has said all the time is that they, they see the value in email list building. They see the value in having an email marketing strategy, but they are just not a tech savvy group and they need a lot of help when it comes to setting up a lead magnet, 
tagging people correctly in the email service provider, creating a welcome sequence. Like it's so abstract to them. So they've told me that in the new year, they want a spotlight course on email marketing. So just to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and walk you behind, you know, or let you behind the scenes on that process. It's a completely new course. I teach email marketing in like one lesson of one module in my signature course, but it's definitely not something that I spend a ton of time on because that's something, it's something that's second nature to me, right? Because I've been doing it for so long. So my audience has told me like, hey, we need to flesh this out a little bit more. We would be willing to pay for a more detailed spotlight course on email marketing. So to walk you behind the scenes of that process is I have the outline done right now. It took me only about, I would say, a day or two to come up with an outline because I've been creating courses for quite a while. But there are so many free YouTube videos and free podcasts and very low price books out there about how to create a course outline. You don't need to invest a ton of money or hire a coach for that portion. So I created the outline. It took me about a day or two, and I'm going to be delivering the course live. So basically what I did was I took that outline. I used it to create a very, I don't even think I have a sales page for it. I think it's just a checkout page, very simple checkout page. Just, it has all the modules and all of the features. So generally when I talk about creating a sales page, I say specifically not to do that. I say, you know, nobody wants, nobody cares how many modules there is or what the lessons are. But because this audience that I'm launching it to, my super fans, this is exactly what they've asked for. That's why I kind of do it this way. And then I take that and I really flush it out when I go to launch it to the masses. And I talk about, you know, I, I have a much more, um, a, a sales page that's much more conducive to converting cold traffic. But because this this is something that I'm delivering to an audience that has already requested it, then I feel a little bit more comfortable making it a very simple checkout page, just saying, hey, this is what this is, buy it or don't buy it, right? There's really no convincing, there's no sales tactics. It's just, here's what you asked for. This is your chance to become a founding member. And I'm gonna be delivering it live over, I haven't decided exactly what the length of time is, but really the only other thing that needs to be done because I already have a Kajabi account, I just need to create a new product in Kajabi. I mean, I'm planning on launching this in the first couple of weeks of January. So really the hard part is coming up with a topic, coming up with an outline and making sure that you know, you're not covering too much, you're not covering too little. Um, that's really for first time course creators. It's second nature to me now, but for first time course creators, that's where you're going to put a lot of time and effort on. And that's where you might get stuck is creating that outline, but understanding that it can be a spotlight course or it can be a starter course. It doesn't have to be everything, you know, it doesn't have to be a signature course right away. I mean, you can get your first course out there in a week, in two weeks. There's really a lot of people have this, this notion in their minds that it takes months and months and months. And yes, if you want to have a six-figure launch or if you want to, you know, hear, have some of, have similar success to people that you hear on, you know, the big name podcast that have those six-figure launches, yes, you're going to need to hire a coach or you're going to need to make an investment in learning how to do it right the first time. But if you have an audience, because I know you have, you know, a decent following on Instagram, I know that they're really engaged. Um, I know that you, I'm sure you're thinking of, as I'm speaking, I'm sure you're thinking of a couple people who would be perfect fits for your program, even if it's just five people, you can deliver a live course to them in a month if you wanted to. And I know that you could do that. You just have to understand that it's going to be a process, right? It's not going to be perfect the first time. It's 
not going to be completely polished the first time, but as long as you can deliver on your promise and as long as you can get people results, you can improve over time and you can give yourself permission to put something out there that's imperfect, even if you're charging for it. As long as what you're delivering and the results that you're promising are aligned with what you're putting out there, then you don't, it doesn't have to be perfect, right? If I charge people, I generally charge people like, let's say a thousand dollars for Facebook ad management. But if all I'm promising in my starter course in my Facebook ad starter course is to get their first campaign up and running, as long as I deliver on that and that my price is aligned with that, it doesn't have to be perfect. As long as you're delivering on that promise and listening to feedback and getting people results, a lot of people get stuck on the whole perfection thing. But when you're first getting started, you can give yourself permission to put it out there and improve on it later. So I think I heard somebody say, I was actually a guest on this podcast. Um, her name is Courtney Foster Donahue. She teaches people how to launch online courses because I, I don't teach people how to launch online courses. I'm speaking solely from experience. This is not something that I teach. It's not something that I coach on. But one of her favorite sayings is beta first, better later. So I know that's kind of a... Um, uh, uh, I'm using the word beta that I specifically said that I didn't like, but it's just the idea that you can launch something that's not perfect with the intention, with the promise that it's going to get better over time. And that's absolutely fine. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and when you say you would do it live, I take it like that would be hosted on Kajabi or yeah, is so that like a group? Oh, okay. I mean, you could, a lot of people do it in like a pop-up Facebook group. So let's say you create a Facebook group. You don't want to invest in a course platform yet. You can literally deliver it live. You can deliver your content via Facebook Live. I know with Zoom, for example, I can screen share and I can do a slide presentation or I can do all that good stuff. Um, I, I'm just not a very good live teacher. I like to script. I like to read off a script. I like to prepare. I like to be able to edit if I need to. So when I say deliver it live, what I mean by that is let's say your course, let's say you pre-launch your course today, but let's say you're launching, you're pre-selling with the expectation that your, your actual course, let's say it's going to start on January 1st. Now, I generally wouldn't recommend starting on January 1st. It's not going to be a great start date for a lot of people, but just for simplicity's sake, let's say your course is starting on January 1st and your promise, what you're telling people is that you're going to deliver one module a week. Then it's your obligation to make sure that every single week you're recording a module, whether that's three less, it, it's all going to depend on your specific outline, but you don't have to deliver it actually live, like via Facebook Live if you don't want to. A lot of people do do that. It's not my personal style, but you can absolutely do that if you are good on camera and if you are um, a little bit more concise than I am. I blab all the time and it's, it's something that I'm always trying to work on. But um, what I mean by that is you can record the modules kind of as you're delivering them. And that's when I re-recorded Play Cafe Academy, that's exactly what I did. So I said, okay, this is a 12 week program. I'm going to do one, I'm going to release one module a week. And I literally did exactly that. Let's say every single week I was going to deliver them on Thursdays. I would spend Monday scripting. I would spend Tuesday recording. I would spend Wednesday uploading and making sure that everything had like a handout and a download or something like that. And I would literally create a new module from scratch. 
every single week and just make sure that by Thursday, by the time that everybody was expecting it, it was uploaded in Kajabi. But it doesn't have to be a course for hosting platform if your budget is tight or if you're concerned about price or budget or anything like that. Now with Facebook groups, they have the guides tab and they have units. So you can actually use that as like a mini course hosting platform and you can just upload your videos there. So when I say deliver it live, I don't necessarily mean on Facebook live, like deliver it in real time, but you can say, okay, I'm going to record this module on Tuesday and I'm going to deliver it to people on Thursday. That's what a lot of people do. That's what I do because a lot of times I'll say like, oh, I'm going to launch this new product or I'm going to have this new thing. And if I don't pre-sell it, if I don't put a date out there, then I just don't do it. Or I continue to put it off or I continue to make excuses. So I like this particular strategy. And it just also takes a lot of the overwhelm away because you're not having to sit down and record all at once. You're able to kind of say like, okay, again, Tuesday is my recording day. So you can only record one day a week. You only have to do your hair and makeup or whatever you need to do to get ready one day a week. A lot of people think like, oh, I need to block off an entire week for course recording. And then they get really fatigued or they just are like too overwhelmed. Um, So I like this strategy of like scripting one day, recording one day, uploading. I know a lot of people find more success in batching. So literally recording for like three days straight. That's not how I do it. I, I get fatigued. I get overwhelmed. I get, I get really, really overwhelmed when I have to record too much at once. So I'm much more like the process of doing again, scripting, then recording, then uploading, then take a little break, then scripting, recording, uploading. That's how I work best. That's how I do it. I like to, instead of batching one specific task, I like to batch one specific topic. So Week one is all about business plan and that's where I'm living. And then the next week, switch over to designing a play space. And then week three, it's all about cafes. I like to really live in one particular topic or one particular module or one particular course subject and then move on from that. And then that's how I work best in terms of batching. I don't do best just writing one week or just recording one week. So that's just me, but Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't know how I would do it, but um, so the last question I have, which you kind of touched on a couple times, but I think I have a more direct question. So with marketing the course, um, do you recommend trying to do like unpaid strategies and then moving to paid ads? Or is that like one of those things where you can just save time and energy in the long run by going right to paid ads? So that's a great question. And before I ever really heavily invested in Facebook ads, I actually got a high converting funnel set up right at the beginning. And I made sure that people were going through the funnel and actually becoming paid customers before I spent money on ads. So in actually episode three of this podcast, it's it's my third most popular episode between my two Taylor Swift episodes. Um, it's, it's always consistently, every single time I check my analytics, it's my third most popular episode, but it talks about how I grew my Play Cafe Academy funnel from $0 to $7,000 a month, pretty consistently before I ever used paid ads. I think I would dabble in like some ads here and there, but before I really started investing in Facebook ads, I made sure that I knew, okay, my sales page conversion rate is good. Okay, um, people are opening my emails. 
that's a good indicator. I really, <coughs> excuse me, I really analyzed every single part of my sales funnel before I started amplifying that with ads, because that's the thing about Facebook ads is it amplifies a high converting funnel, or it can amplify the bad if your sales funnel isn't working. So in that episode, I kind of go through how I would start from scratch. So what I would do is I would create a freebie. That's what everybody kind of says. A lot of people say, will say, say that, you know, freebies are dead and lead magnets are dead. That has not been my experience at all. So generally when somebody's just getting started, I always recommend creating something to get people on your email list. Because to me, email marketing is still the gold standard. That's where a huge percentage of my sales come from. So the first step is I would definitely create something that is going to get people on your email list. So a lead magnet is what most people refer to it as. And then I would get find a way to get that lead magnet in front of people. So for me, that's my podcast and YouTube. I would say most people that join my email list almost... Even to this day, even though I'm spending a lot of money on Facebook ads every single month, most people still find me on YouTube and then they opt into my lead magnet, then they stay on my email list for a while, then they opt into my lower priced offer. So that was going to be my next step is have a lower priced offer or just a way to get that first dollar from your potential clients and then really over deliver, really show them that if I'm charging you money, if you pull out your credit card and invest in something I'm putting out there, I'm going to over deliver. It's going to be something that you're going to see results with. So again, just to kind of recap, step one would be find a way to get people on your email list. Step two, find a way to get in front of people so that they can see your lead magnet and your content. For me, that's YouTube. And I would say that is always going to be a searchable authority platform. So a blog, a YouTube channel, or a podcast. I don't really consider social media as authority platforms. Um, And then three would be to create a low price offer. And even if you can just do those three things while you're outlining your bigger course, while you're thinking about investing in a course platform, while you're taking the time to invest in a course and learn from somebody who went before you in terms of course creation, even those three things, I think are going to really start lighting a fire under you and start growing your audience while you're creating things in the background. And then step four would be to pre-sell your course and then you can deliver it live. So those are the steps that I usually give people who are starting from scratch, but I think that's a great way. Um, That's, I mean, it's a very simple sales funnel is something free, something low priced, something higher priced, right? It's just kind of leading people along your customer journey. So an example of that is my, um, my customer journey for Play Cafe Academy is always like, People find me on YouTube or searching Google. They opt into my free PDF business bundle, which is just a bunch of different um, PDF resources on how to create an indoor playground. Then that leads into my $27 offer that I alluded to before. So that's my business plan toolkit, which leads into my signature course, which is Play Cafe Academy. That's $697. And then finally, I have a backend membership. So as I saw new opportunities and as people asked me for additional things, my customer journey's gotten longer. So now I have a backend membership because people who took my course said, hey, I would love ongoing support. I would love to be able to ask you questions. I would love implementation help. So as I mentioned, my course gets you from daydream to opening day, whereas my membership helps people with the day-to-day operations after they've already reached opening day. And then in addition to that, I have a couple of those spotlight courses that I mentioned, but 
setting up that customer journey doesn't have to happen all at once, right? You can start with building your email list and then go to a low price offer and then go to a spotlight course and then go to a signature course, right? A lot of people assume that you have to have this entire customer journey ironed out. And while it is good to have a vision of where you want to go at some point, you can start small, you can start and build from there. Yeah, that's very helpful. I can see myself kind of doing that, like starting. I mean, I I did that with coaching a little bit and then it just didn't feel like the right fit for me. So I feel like something more, a course would make more sense, you know, for me personally, but those are all my questions. Yeah. And really just, on everything. <laughs> yeah, and just to clarify um, really quickly, a lot of people hear the word launch and they think of like this huge complicated process and it has to be like, you have to spend money on ads and you have to hire experts and you have to have a six figure launch because a lot of us listen to these big name podcasts and hear people with those success stories. But all of my courses are on evergreen. I don't live launch ever. I'm doing one live launch in 2022 and that is going to be an affiliate launch. It's not even going to be launching my own products. But um, a lot of people who work one-on-one or who have other components of their business, they hear this word launch and it's so intimidating and it's such a heavy word. You can set up, I set up evergreen funnels. That's what I do. So while I'm working one-on-one with clients, I'm just making more, I don't like the word passive because it's not really passive because I'm still putting out content. I'm still emailing people weekly. You know, I'm still I'm still actively participating in getting somebody from my email list to a paying client, but I love evergreen funnels because they're easy to set up. Again, you can start at the beginning and then build on it from there, but you don't have to have this big, you know, blow out of the water launch that you hear a lot of these times. If you're busy or if you're just looking to dabble in online courses, add one digital product, have it be the low priced offer and then add on it from there. But I don't live launch and you don't have to live launch. A lot of people don't, especially people that, again, are busy. I have talked on this podcast before about why I stopped live launching and it was for like my mental health reasons and my physical health reasons. I just don't do it because I can't put a date on the calendar and be 100% certain that I'm going to be 100% mentally and physically available that week. I just can't do it. So that's why I do evergreen launches. A lot of people forget that those exist. And a lot of people think it has to be like a big webinar week and it has to be really complicated, but it doesn't have to be like that. You can have an automated evergreen sequence that just, you know, makes sales for you. I don't like to say while you sleep and I don't like to use the phrase passive income, but it can be more passive than live launching. You can set things up to kind of run in the background of your business as well. Yeah, that's exactly kind of how I feel is like, I can never really depend on myself to be a certain headspace and mindset weeks in advance. So yeah, like in launch is really an intimidating word. I'm glad that you said that. It makes me feel better because I'm so hesitant to get into it. And I mean, even with all this information you gave me, it still feels like, you know, a lot to commit to, but I feel like once you really change your mindset that you don't have to do it with that vision that you have to be a six figure launch or you suck like one of those types of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you could just, like I said, you could just create one digital product. It doesn't have to be a huge course. Like you can have a pitch deck that you sell and it could just be a template. It could be, this is how you pitch your clients, or it could be a, a client contract template. It could be something as little as that you sell for as little as $7 or $17 or $27, whatever price point you end up at. But 
just creating that first digital course and getting it out there and getting people used to the fact that you're going to start offering digital products is such a huge monumental step. So after this interview, what I would really encourage you to do is write down one lower priced offer, one thing that you could provide somebody who is your ideal customer. So let's say somebody who wants to start a freelance writing business, come up with one, one solution to one of their problems or one solution to one of their questions. So if one of their big objections is, I don't know what a freelance writing business is, or I don't know how I would get my first client, just solve that one problem for them and charge, again, something very low priced for it. It can just be a Canva PDF download with a 20 minute video training. And guess what? You can host it in Google Drive. My business plan toolkit is still hosted in Google Drive just because it's it's always been there and I've gotten nothing but amazing feedback on it. So it can be something that's so simple. So I would highly encourage you to just decide on one solution that you could provide, make it lower price and just get it out there. And it's going to do so much for your confidence and it's going to really prep your audience for increasing your digital product offerings in the weeks, months to come. Yeah, that's very helpful. And I'm definitely going to do that. I had a lot of ideas as we were talking. So I really appreciate you doing this for me. It was exactly what I needed. Awesome. I'm so glad that we were able to talk about it. Yeah, me too. All right. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. All right. That wraps up my coaching call and conversation with Kim. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions about my experience creating courses or digital products, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram or email me. All the ways to get in contact are linked in the episode description. And don't forget to check out Kim's business and all of her social media in the description of this episode. And again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you leave a rating and a review. I appreciate every single one of them so much. And I will see you guys next week.